Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening where we will continue our reflections into chapter 10 of Paul's second letter to the Church of Corinth. We are in verses 7 to 11, and I'm going to spend an extra few minutes with those verses because I do think we need to draw out a little more some of those words and some of those phrases that St. Paul is using. But before we get into that, I just want to continue to thank all of you who are taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in to Seeds of Truth Radio. This is podcast number 84 in our reflections on First and Second Corinthians, podcast number 84. So we have been at this for quite some time, really going through this verse by verse. And you know, Sometimes we spend a lot of time on one verse, and other times we just kind of work through it uh, more quickly. But generally speaking, we do make sure that uh, each main point is had for what it is. And out from those series of reflections, uh, hopefully we have gained a deeper understanding of what St. Paul is all about in this very uh, theologically rich and at the same time practical epistle, huh? This is a very practical letter. I have received a number of emails from you telling me how practically rich this epistle is. And yes, I could not agree more. As I said 84 podcasts ago, (laughs) this really is a journey, not only into who Paul is and, and what his intentions are as they relate to pastorally guiding the Church of Corinth into the fullness of truth, but how in doing so he speaks to us today. And is this not a testimony to the Holy Spirit? How the Holy Spirit can speak to one person in time, 2,000 years ago, and at the same time have that one thing speak to us 2,000 years later. That is a great testament to the love of God. And it also speaks to human nature. I mean, it speaks to human nature. It speaks to man's proclivity, man's natural tendencies to do certain things, how we might find ourselves in very similar situations because of our own undoing. So we go back to sacred scripture, and we are mindful, as Paul writes Timothy in his second epistle, that all sacred scripture is profitable for not only reproof, but also for the training of righteousness and holiness. And so by studying First and Second Corinthians, we ought to be reminded that we are training up in holiness. Huh? We are training up in righteousness. We are training up in this call we have to become the best version of who God is calling us to be. So all that being said, again, I do just warmly thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules. And it is always humbling to see there are people tuning in all throughout the world, Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Croatia, South Africa, India, Uh, Western Europe. It is a great joy that you are taking time out of your busy schedules to join me. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 7 to 11. I'll go ahead and reread these verses and, and then touch upon those points we have yet to touch upon. Look at what confronts you. 
Whoever is confident of belonging to Christ should consider that as he belongs to Christ, so do we. And even if I should boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for tearing you down, I shall not be put to shame. May I not seem as one frightening you through letters. For someone will say, his letters are severe and forceful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Such a person must understand that what we are in word through letters when absent, that we also are in action when present. Okay, I want to go back to this opening verse and this opening line. Look at what confronts you. More specifically, the Greek renders, at that which confronts you, look. (laughs) At that which confronts you, look. So St. Paul is saying, look at all those things that confront you each and every day. Look. And you can also say here, look up. Be present to those situations around you. Don't be looking down. Don't be caught up in, in self. Is this not a challenge against that great sin of pride, that great capital sin of pride? You know, pride is the first and greatest sin because it is the violation of the first and greatest commandment, right? You shall have no other gods before me. Pride puts self before God. Pride loves yourself with all your heart and soul and mind and strength rather than God. This is what St. Augustine takes up in his classic work, not Confessions, but the City of God, that everyone in the world belongs to one of two cities. The City of God, which consists, in St. Augustine's words, all who love God to the despising of self, or the city of the world, which again, as St. Augustine puts it, loving self to the despising of God. So are we loving God to the despising of self, or are we loving self to the despising of God? Brothers and sisters, God is the source. God is the lifeblood and the heavenly end of the first city. And as we know, the devil is the end of the second. That is we could say, the ultimate difference between humility and pride. The great Christian author C.S. Lewis encapsulates Augustine's essential point in The Great Divorce when he says this, There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, Thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, Thy will be done. Did you catch that? In other words, that final conversation is going to look something like this. I did it my way or I did it your way. Which way? Which path? What does our Lord say in John chapter 14, verse 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? There is no other way. There is no other truth. There is no other life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So pride is the greatest sin because it is the living heart of all sins. Every sin says to God, my will be done. That is why St. Bernard of Clairvaux, when asked what the four cardinal virtues were, replied, justice, temperance, fortitude, and prudence? No. Humility, 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 and humility. 
if you think you have gotten beyond this single-minded beginning, well, you are proud. In other words, if you think you are not in serious danger from your sin of pride, then, brothers and sisters, you probably are, right? Even if you are a little proud of your humility, then that means you are more proud than you need to be. The only way to become humble, to be humble, is to admit that you are proud. That is the first step in humility. Yes, humility is all about not protecting the false self, just being who you are. And you can only do that if you live in the virtue of truthfulness, avoiding the sin of pride. So we have to look up, right? We have to be aware of first and foremost, our own sins, who we are before God. And out from that, how we are called to live for the body of Christ and how we are called to build up the body of Christ. I mean, in these verses from 7 to 11, Paul talks about how God has put in him the authority for building up. Paul understands the very reason of God-given authority is what? Building others up. Such an understanding challenges all of us who hold positions of authority as pastors, chaplains, teachers, mentors, youth ministers, parents. I talked a little bit about this last week, huh? Now, what's really interesting about this call we have to build up, about this call to look up and to look squarely at the challenges that are before us, is to understand that we have this primary calling to build one another up, right? It's interesting. The word edification comes from the Latin that literally translates as building up, right? And how do we build up? We build up with our attitudes. We build up with our words. We build up with our our deeds. We build up with how we might assist one another. You know, this discussion about looking being aware, building up, assisting others. Certainly, today should have us thinking about those who are most struck by these hurricanes, Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma. I mean, we have to be asking the question, what more can we do? When there is great tragedy around us, we have to ask the question, Lord, what are you calling me to do? What is that one thing that you are calling me to be present to? Heed St. Paul's words here. Look, right? Look at who you are before God, yes. And as you do so, then look towards your neighbor. Because as you first look at God, he will give you the eyes to see what you need to see and how you are called to be present to neighbor. One of the things that was most striking that came from uh, a couple weeks ago in Hurricane Harvey was one particular gentleman who said, I have gotten to know more neighbors in the last 24 hours than I have in the last 20 years. Think about that. I have gotten to know my neighbors better. I have gotten to know my neighbors more in the last 24 hours than I have in the last 20 years. What was this man doing? He was looking. And so we have this call before us to do the same. And yes, certainly for those who are most in need in this time of tragedy, in whatever capacity and and whatever means you can, for sure, 
to Hurricane Harvey and to Hurricane Irma and all those who are suffering. But also, think about our own neighborhoods. Do we know the person to the left of us or to the right of us? Have we gone out of our way to go across the street and get to know that neighbor? Or maybe someone down the block or, or maybe a couple that walks by your house every day. Certainly, I can only imagine if a flood hit Chico, we would get to know them, right? To some extent, one of the gifts that comes out of tragedy is how we lean into each other. We have all been schooled in this truth over the past few weeks and certainly over the past few days. But we do have this challenge before us to ask the question, Lord, how are you calling me to be present to myself and to be present to others? And start with those who are closest to you, right? Start with those who live to your left and live to your right. And once you get that right, then all the more will you be open to, to those who are in need in, in Houston and Florida. And again, all throughout the world, especially the Caribbean, who were struck by that category five, Brothers and sisters, what does St. Paul say? At that which confronts you, look. At that which confronts you, look. What causes you to stumble? Look at it. This is why I've spent quite a bit of time in the past talking about the need to make sure we do an examination of conscience, that at the end of the day, we kind of look back at our day. We look at our encounters. And we ask the question, okay, how could have I handled this situation better? Or how could have I handled that situation better? Maybe I should have been more present to this person or that person in that moment. And maybe you, you can praise God for how God might have worked through you in a particular moment. Not, not yourself, but God, right? <laughs> because if we're going to boast, as St. Paul reminds us, we boast of God. Now, on that note... Let us turn to chapter 10, verses 12 to 18. Not that we dare to class or compare ourselves with some of those who recommend themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond measure, but will keep to the limits God has apportioned us, namely, to reach even you. For we are not overreaching ourselves, as though we did not reach you. We indeed first came to you with the gospel of Christ. We are not boasting beyond measure and other people's labors. Yet our hope is that, as your faith increases, our influence among you may be greatly enlarged within our proper limits, so that we may preach the gospel even beyond you, not boasting of work already done in another sphere." Whoever boasts should boast in the Lord. There it is, huh? <laughs> For it is not the one who recommends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord recommends. Right? So the Lord does not call the qualified. He qualifies his call. Right? He's the one who's recommending. Now, here we should recall Paul's unease about boasting in verse 8. Here, we now learn that the intruding missionaries engage in this kind of competitive self-commendation as they boastfully measure themselves and their accomplishments against one another. Paul insists that he boasts only within proper limits, for he boasts only in what God accomplishes through him. Is this not the whole 
point of the Christian life. Consider uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, right? She has this great encounter with Elizabeth. And out from that encounter, what does she do? Does she boast of her greatness? No. She offers up the great Magnificat. In the deepest place of her being, does she proclaim, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Only God can magnify goodness because God is goodness incarnate inside of me. You see, Mary boasts of God's greatness. It has nothing to do with pride. And here, my friends, what ultimately matters is not self-commendation, but the commendation that comes from the Lord. Does not Paul here in verse 12 begin on an ironic note? (laughs) I mean, having declared that he will act boldly against the Corinthians if necessary, as I just read in verses 10 and 11, he confesses that there is one thing he does not dare do, to class or compare himself with some of those who recommend themselves. Once again, he draws on the notion of self-commendation, but here with the emphasis on self, right? And then what does he do? He clarifies what he means by the negative sense of self-commendation by referring to the interlopers' practice, that they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another. It appears here that the intruding missionaries compete with one another in promoting themselves. I mean, what are they doing? They're taking pride in their credentials and, and accomplishments, and in many ways, denigrating others, including Paul, right? He, on the contrary, does not dare to partake in such activity. Because why? It is futile and dangerously wrong-headed, my friends. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where, even not intentionally, you're comparing yourself with another person, your credentials with another person? That is the danger in today's wild, wild west. You build up your credentials, you go to a university and you get your undergrad degree, you know, you, you do your post-grad work and, and then you do your doctoral work and you think you have all these credentials and you begin to measure your credentials up against someone else. And then you don't get the job you think you should get because you have better credentials. Brothers and sisters, we build up <laughs> our credentials, not for vainglory, but for God's glory. And we have to trust that if God has called us to build up our credentials, we do so in the end to fulfill his purpose. The deepest hunger of the human heart isn't for knowledge, but for purpose. So if we are doing what God is calling us to do, and we are hungering for that, we are desiring that, we are longing for that, longing to fulfill God's purpose in life, we will no longer be concerned about this comparison that we so often get caught up with. This is why St. Paul says, I do not dare go there, because again, it is futile. Now, the point here is also that the intruders, in measuring and comparing themselves with one another, do not take into account the most important standard of all, namely God, right? It is God who provides an external criteria. Indeed, God is the only legitimate 
criterion for self-commendation. If it is yours or your fellow brother or sister in Christ, it is folly. We don't self-commend ourselves with one another. No. This is God's doing. This is God's work. And as Paul will make clear in the following verses, he boasts only in so far as he is an instrument through whom God is working to bring salvation through the proclamation of the gospel. So, in setting themselves up as the sole measure of success, and in failing to appreciate that God provides the true criterion for boasting, these false missionaries demonstrate that they are what? But without understanding. Without understanding. You know, we have already talked about the gift of understanding as one of those seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? The gift of understanding goes so much deeper than what is on the surface. In point of fact, the gift of understanding is so interconnected with wisdom because it really is the insight gained by being in that intimate relationship with God the Father. We can begin to understand that God exists by looking at God's first love letter to man creation. But in the end, it's about faith, my friends. And our faith increases in and through the gift of understanding, in and through the gift of wisdom. Okay, what else does Paul take up here? Well, this notion of measuring, metrio, where we get the word metric, he insists that unlike the intruding missionaries, he will not boast beyond measure. Rather, he is committed to keep to the limits what God has apportioned to him. Now, it's interesting. The word limits renders succinctly a phrase to translate the measure of the standard, the measure of the standard. So what does Paul mean by uh, keeping to this measuring stick, uh, the God of measure? Well, literally, what God has assigned to him, right? It is probably here, my friends, that St. Paul is referring to the simple historical fact that it was he who preached the gospel in Corinth before anyone else did. And as the end of verse 13 suggests, to reach even you. You see, my friends, he reminds the Corinthians that it was he who first came to them with the gospel of Christ. Looking back at his missionary work in Corinth from the perspective of faith, Paul sees the providential hand of God operating through his founding the church there. Hence, his boasting, by which he means giving witness to what God has done through him, is then warranted. Brothers and sisters, Paul is not overreaching himself, either in his missionary work or in his boasting. In point of fact, in both instances, he remains within the limits apportioned to him by God. Certainly, implicit here is his criticism that the intruding missionaries are overreaching themselves and their claims. In the end, my friends, you know a tree by its fruit. We read in the book of Acts that St. Paul went into, this, went into these communities. And as we read about these exchanges, some followed Paul and some didn't follow Paul. Not everyone is going to follow you. That is just a reality. People have the power to choose, and some choose against the gospel message. 
Does that mean that you have failed? No. No. If you are doing God's will, especially within the context of preaching and catechizing, some will follow. And over time, my friends, if you are a humble instrument, the kingdom of God will expand soul by soul. Look at <laughs> the Christian church. Look at the Christian. The Christian church started with one person, one person, and now there's millions, millions, because individual souls took up the task that Jesus commissioned them to take up, to bear witness to the truth and love of Jesus Christ. And so we do this soul by soul, not caught up in what people think about this or that, but caught up in what God thinks and how we might continue to be humble instruments in God. Self-commendation, only for God's sake. Boasting, only for God's sake. Be humble, my friends. Whatever God has tasked you with, (laughs) be humble and be sure to always look. At that which confronts you, look. Have that single-mindedness. Don't get caught off guard with all of those side glances. God has given you a gift, and that gift is His grace, His very life and love. Marinate in that gift. Absorb that gift. And in your thoughtfulness, be sure to look. Look squarely at the things that God is challenging you with about yourself and also who he's challenging you to serve, to love. Amen? Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.